July 31st, 2013. Here's a lot from Pedro's show.
Watt from Pedro Show. Hey there, in Pedro, at my pad, uh, man alone mode. Brother Matt had to get a new deck put in, all this stuff. He was, uh, I thought I'd have some time, you know, so I kept putting it off, but his repair job, so good people. I got to leave today to do some Stooges gigs in Europe, the last for the summer, Belgium, Germany, and Austria. Uh, so I'm leaving in a couple hours, so I thought I might as well do the show now. Uh, and then do another one next week, maybe from Austria. But, because uh, it's, it's been a while. In fact, what I got, well, I should tell you, I started the show with uh, something live from John Coltrane in 1963. Uh, him doing It's Easy to Remember. <laughs> Which might be a little tough. Because uh, part one... Well, today I'm going to play you part two, but part one was July 2nd. It was 19 days ago. No, 29 days ago. Damn. Joe Lally in Rome, where he lives now, did an interview. I got part two of that for today's show, split up to six different sections, tunes played in between. Uh, oh, after John Coltrane, we had Sawako doing Untitled K. Speaking of which, I heard Kay got a new dog. Gotta check that out. Anyway, uh, let's pick up from where we left off uh, 29 days ago. Uh, this was done by Joe Lally in Rome. A hill just north of the Vatican. I can't remember the name of the hill, but it was in the tell I was staying at. Uh, Joe Lally, part two. July 2nd, 2013, in his own words, his story. Uh, I think we're at the point where he's playing with Fugazi. Back to Fugazi. You guys are doing the, fir- the first tours. It's neck math to you. Mm-hmm. You're going through patterns on the on the bass guitar. You really, you're starting to hear, you could hear what sounded right and not right, though. So you are developing the a, a, and then you had all that training listening to those records. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, yeah, it's really remembering. The hard thing for me is songs that sound the same, and then where they start, you know, is and so I could get fooled. But that, that happened later as we wrote more music. But mainly it was, I think mainly it was just the hardest part was that I wasn't doing drugs anymore, and my body <laughs> was cleaning itself out. That was the hardest part. So yeah, because so then being on tour, like yeah, yeah, my my yeah. body was just like working out like a sure. new way of living, yeah. you know, cleanly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, because here I was also vegetarian, so my body was like cleaning a lot of stuff out. So by the time we were going on tour in Europe and stuff, you know, everyone smoked at those, you know, like everybody smoking hash like at all the shows in the north, which we would always tour first. By the time we get down to the warm countries, I'd have bronchitis, you know. I'd just be so sick, you know. But my body just couldn't deal with any of that stuff, and so it was kind of hard um, in in that sense. With as we did, like really long tours, my body just had to kind of uh, get strong again. Because you know, I, re- I really just was I had made a mess of myself. Even though you know I, I wasn't doing anything supposedly that terrible, but you know I, I had done it all. <laughs> uh, the the first recording in Don's basement. But that's the first time you do like a real, because those early bands you're just doing the little, yeah, fucking somebody DC vet like Econo those, stuff. Those like, were like someone yeah. compiling from yeah basement recordings. Yeah, but I did go into one 
I think only once I went into a studio with some friends because they had already made the cover for their cassette for a band called the Platinum Slugs. And the yeah. bass player's name was Joe. So it said, you know, bass, Joe. So it was kind of like... It's already. Fit for me. So I went into this little studio in College Park, Riverdale or something, and, uh, you know, played their bass parts. They did a Stooges song. I think they might have done a real cool time. Oh, wow. And... Uh, and because they, they it's were got very, one part. They were very stooges. You were like, saying oh, A B part. That's an A part. Totally. So it was it was my kind of thing. And I learned about like you know oh overdub and stuff you know and here play that again. And I was like okay now what do we do? And they're like you're done. You know. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know anything about what was happening, so yeah. I just kind of went and did that. And then then I was recording. Yeah, the first EP. Yeah. I think we did a demo tape first, which came out kind of weird sounding. There was some weird phasing thing going on with the guitar. That but was that was in a studio. Horrible. And this is Don's laundry room Don's laundry in his in sure. his house in in Arlington, Virginia. And and that's where you know, the first EP was recorded. We went in again, did that, um, seven songs or whatever that was, six or seven songs. And then, then we were on tour and. In in the UK, when we did uh, Margin Walker, that EP, that was done with John Loader, uh, first at this place, the Greenhouse, where you know we had just done like thirty eight shows or something in forty days. Was around. Ireland part of that? I want to say it was because I think it was because a heavy you know that England was really tour. because I, when you guys went to Ireland, there was reverberations of that. Oh wow! A cookbook came out. Oh, the guy that does my gigs, Timo. Mm-hmm. That, that was really important for guys who did those oh, island yeah, Tim, shows. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm just trying to place it in my mind. That was really heavy for their scene. It was really important. Yeah, because I think it was a much bigger um, UK tour. We may have done something else in in Europe, but it was more of a UK-oriented tour. Or maybe that was just UK. I can't. My memory sucks for that stuff. Yeah, I know. But my and then... But after a whole bunch of shows... You might have done some Dublin, some Ireland. Yeah, like I said, because it was more... Uh, we were more there on the islands, and then and then because we recorded right after it, uh, Loader had booked this greenhouse studio, wherever whatever that was, to get the drums down. Yeah. And Brendan was not that happy with his performance, but we were limited. Then we go into um, Southern Studios, and most of it is like a warehouse for the records, so the recording rooms are just filled with records, and then there's just the the. Um, engineer room you know booth. with the board the booth and so it's just standing around his board and then he didn't like a lot of the timing of Brendan but I wherever Brendan went I went with him yeah sure so I just like it's called rhythm section yeah right? man <laughs> I was on top of Brendan I knew I, I just he slowed down I slowed down yeah I yeah, was yeah. with him so he was just pissed at me because I was with him so he was kind of like you gotta do I'm fixing his drums and now I, you gotta do all your bass again so he cut he handed Brendan a plastic baggie full of time full of little clips of time. I don't know what to make of that record when I listen to it. It sounds so weird to me. But but anyway. I like it. I I, I had to redo the bass. Yeah. Then, you know, like, Guy, or whatever, Ian redid his guitar, and then the vocals went down. But that was, that EP was when Guy had, you know, vocals on songs that had been written, and he was putting in the words to it. So his entrance into the band was really showing... By then, but he was more than ready already yeah. to be playing guitar with us. And so by, you know, a repeater, yeah. it was like a whole new band because he was singing and playing guitar. Yeah, right. And, uh, and then that was also recorded in Don's basement 
they didn't even get into a studio studio until Don had got, moved into a warehouse and created a studio for to be in her ear, you know, for right, about right. the time we made Steady Diet of Nothing, whatever year that was. But you, you guys helped him out big time. Yeah, yeah. Even Discord, I'm sure, even kind of helped him yeah, build that studio, like lend the money to do some of the building. But just also the time he spent, you know, it seems to me... It was hand you, in hand. You guys all that stuff. kind of paralleled what we were doing. You learn by doing. Mm -hmm. And Don was a big part of that because Ian met Don through Skip at Yesterday and Today, Skip Groff, and mm -hmm. and and that meeting. I think you know of Ian. And Don Don was just that kind of guy. You know, he was kind of like, yeah, mix it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I met people who met Don years later, and they were like, what do you mean? You know. <laughs> and found themselves mixing their record going like <laughs> trying to get to him for you know ask him for assistance yeah, he's yeah, kind of yeah. like sure if that's what you like I mean he's <laughs> he's the wrong person to, you know he's so Meister. yeah he's so zen about it you know it's like like when you like there's a temptation record I think it's solid rock and you open it up and there's the picture of the producer whoa yeah that's kind of weird, the opposite end of the yeah, I like Experience. the I like the uh, the vision the, man. Well, I love the brothers, um, the guys who did all those records that no one knows who the producers are because it's just so the band, you know. It's yeah. it's Zeppelin and uh, the Who. It's um, what are their names? Um, I can never even think of their names. The Stones, um, the two the, the two brothers uh, who did. We'd, we'd have to use this, but we're using it to uh, record us. You're right. Um, <laughs> Glenn okay. Johns, Glenn and Andy Johns. Glenn Johns, right? You just yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think Andy of them Johns. as doing? They're the, just the, they, they. I mean, like who's neg? I mean, they're big. They're just masterminds because you don't think of them. Yeah. You just think this is a band at their very best, you know? and this is how they really sound. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't really craft works. They captured a band, but actually, those are works. Totally, yeah. yeah. The noun people. Yeah, man, I love, I love that. The noun, not the verb. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of U.S. tours after that period. Yeah, it just became a regular thing, like taking right. a section of the U.S. at a time. get Making our way so we can go all the way out west and get back to D.C. Right. Or taking the Midwest, or taking the Northeast, or taking the South. Right, Chunks. It just And then it started to coincide with, you know, in, um, England and Europe, and then the U.S., and then England and Europe, and then the U.S., then uh, what came first? Uh, I think either Australia or Asia, and so then those got incorporated. Then it might take us two years to do all the touring, because then also Brazil, came, South America came in. Right. It. So it was kind of like you'd do each section, and not putting out a record had nothing to do with anything, okay. ever, in the band. It was just sometimes the record came out coinciding with something, and sometimes it didn't. And Ours it just, never did. Ours were always late. You just did what you were doing. Even you know? though the theory was, yeah, this is the flyer for the tour. Yeah, the ones that coming out after the tour. Okay. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, man.
enemy will unify the transaction!
Eastern world It is exploding Violence flaring And bullets loading You're old enough to kill But not for voting You don't believe in war But what's that gun you're toting And even the Jordan River Has bodies floating, yeah Well, don't you understand what I'm trying to say? And can't you feel these fears that I'm feeling today? If the button is pushed, there's no running away. There'll be no one to save with the world in a grave. Take a look around you, boy. It's bound to scare you, boy. And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend. No, you don't believe. On the eve of destruction Well, think of all the hate There is in Red China Then take a look around To Phoenix, Arizona You may leave here For four days in space But when you return It's the same old place The pound of the drums the pride and disgrace Hate your next door neighbor But don't forget to say grace And you tell me Over and over and over again My friend No you don't believe We're on the eve of destruction No you don't believe We're on the eve of destruction well, I let him hear what the end of time sounds like, Billy. So mad, feels like coagulating This whole crazy world is just too frustrating When senators and congressmen won't pass legislation I don't believe in Star Wars I don't believe the president Don't need to read the papers The truth is too evident The whole human race Blown out to space And you tell me over and over and over again, my friend No, you don't believe We're on the eve of destruction No, you don't believe We're on the eve of destruction From Pedro Show. Uh, after uh, the spiel with Joe, we heard something from his trio from his latest album, a tune called Why Should I Get Used to It? 
And after that, something brand new from Sigodi, Goose Step Noose Tie. Nice Sharp Pencils after that with Polaroid. They got a new album. Respect, Brent, uh, Ben, and Chris. <laughs> so, can't read well. Printed too small here. Hi, uh, Reeve, brand new album. Dragon's Eyes. Hi, Reeve, incredible bass man like Brother Ben, but uh, a little more north in Scotland there. Uh, both are uh, bass heroes, bass brothers. Love them. Uh, Altayunga, no, Altayinga, Lepers, with <laughs> Fafum, Fafum, Camente, Camamente. <laughs> yeah, terrible Italian, sorry. Great band, though. Altayunga, Lepers, from uh, Barry Park in the heel of Italy. Uh, Dear Hoof after that with uh, Fuck de uh, Do. Kind of French, I think. And finally, Greg Turner in his version of Eva Destruction. Here's some more Joe Lally without any more stumble bum. Well, you'll hear me <coughs> pipe in there with some stumble bum, but mainly Joe Lally in Rome three weeks ago. This was some on-the-job training with the bass. Hell yeah. Yeah, because I just didn't know. I, I mean, I really went through the whole band not really knowing. I mean, I, I learned just like a year or two ago about the Music Man bass that I used all the, almost the entire time, that if you set the knobs, the, 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 tone, and, the tone knobs and the, on the bass, if you set them halfway, it's, it's not an active bass. And, you know, right. I hated that about the Music Man, that it was active. Yeah. And then I didn't know that... that you it, could have bypassed. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I you know, I always Somebody played... Somebody once told me the only thing new is you, finding out about it. Yes. <laughs> That's, That's the okay. truth, That's man. Okay. <laughs> it gave you that scoop sound with that active thing. I, I hate, like, their live sound. And, I, and yeah. I often recorded with other basses because the recording sound was so sterile. Yeah. To me, and it's like, well, yeah, because you had everything all the way up on the bass. You know, now I know that, but too late. Yeah, but... Try and know your equipment. That's my advice to a young, aspiring musician. Oh, wow. Know the gear. <laughs> Try and, you know, just see how it works. That... Turn everything down, and then slowly turn it up. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know? okay. Or sometimes it's a push-pull thing. Yeah, man. <laughs> Whatever like, those... Oh, look at that. And if you can get equipment that has less knobs on it, yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I seen pictures with uh, I don't know who's the dead guy Lesh. Mm-hmm. There's like forty knobs. Oh wow! Like what's that do? What's that do? What's that do? Yeah, it's weird because now as you'll see me uh, thirsty. There's no knob. I broke them off. <laughs> if you want softer, you just play it softer. What is your amp? Are you playing through amp? No, I ran it. Always... These yeah. are like Laney's. Laney's, yeah. Which are eight two. Instead of a six tube like an SVT, so they got more power. They sound better. It got a bunch of knobs too, but you can bypass them. Why don't talk well of Laney? So I know. See, like good. Yeah, yeah, the England company, right? Yeah. I like these. I, I'll take them over Ampeg. I've never been an Ampeg fan, mm. but when you rent, you always got to get those. Mm-hmm. I use a back home Eden. Yep. Got from Minnesota. I've seen those? Yeah. Guy who lost his arm, David Eden. I, have this I just liked it because if you hit a bad note, you could tell. 
Yeah. There's no mysteries. Ampegs, you can get it's away. Clear, with, yeah. You can get away with a, a lot of them. So. Uh, yeah. So in Fugazi, I, I learned to you know what was right for the band. I I did not go for any particular bass sound. I did what was right for the band, yeah. and I was in. Which company. is, you know what? That is the politics of bass that I really love. You look good, making other cats look good. Yeah, I mean, well, it's your role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, some people in the music some in a lot have of other I mean, ideas. When I got into it, when D Boone's mom made me, I thought, oh, that's where you put the retarded friend. It's right field the little way. You know? <laughs> then I found out, uh, uh, be fake lead guitar. Yeah. And uh, I I came to it. I'm a slow learner. Yeah, I mean, like I love um, Billy Cox. He's my Genius. he's like my favorite bass player. Be- because told of me he has a pawn shop in Nashville. Yeah, I tried to find him once Did when you? I was on tour, and I just couldn't okay. get it together, and, and we, we didn't find him. We had to like go in the other direction, and I couldn't do it, but I was sad. I wanted him to sign my, <laughs> sign my bass. No, I'm a fan, but anyway, too. But, but the Noel Redding thing is, like, just go play guitar and leave everyone in the experience alone. Just go play the guitar, because he you know wanted he to play guitar. guitar yeah. he, Jimmy just liked the way he was dressed. Yeah, I mean, it, and it... It was what he needed at the time. He was a great play, bass player to fill in or whatever. And be, he's not and on there. a lot of the records. That's that probably is for a reason. But anyway, I, I I would just would say that someone like Billy Cox just understood what he should be doing with somebody like Hendrix. Period. You know what I mean? And a gypsy. And he could still be, um, you know, very improvisational about it too. But but uh, just understood the role of what was going on. In, in the it's band. so trippy. This last tour I did, I was for Encore doing Machine Gun, mm-hmm. and he does put in all kinds of different takes on that. But mainly, he's giving you the. It's there. And here he's here it is. Aiden and a bet in the drum. <laughs> but yeah. there are. It's not always. A, you listen to it. He does little moves. Different things, di- yeah. yeah, he's very it's interesting. Awesome. But he understands the core of that song <clears throat> and what has to support but Jimmy. My my things in Fugazi were a. Yeah. I came into this band that was full of people who had been in these bands and these bands had broken up for different reasons. Yeah. And they were you know, could be based on like what they would or wouldn't do, play or wouldn't play. And I was just not gonna be that guy in this band. And so when Ian was showing me bass lines early on, if he had ideas, I was like, Okay. Yeah. And I would and I would play it back to him. You sure. know? And at some point, like way into it, you know, he was like, you know, if you don't and I was like, Hey man, when I don't like something, I'll let you know. <laughs> you know, it's not like I'm just here because because I was also writing stuff because I was too dumb to know anything was not good or whatever. If I felt something, I wrote it like a, and the same. You know, it's like nothing. If you'll notice, yeah. your hand never really moves from that position. Yeah. And then you go right into the chorus by starting on like the next note. You know, on the next string. Dun 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 dun. Nothing is different. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, yeah. yeah. You know? So, you but just I moved your hand a little bit. But I just thought it sounded nice. So I was like, "What do you think of this?" And he was, you know, okay. But I think know. that's a sense of tune. Mm-hmm. It's not just about. Sometimes you get so close to operating a machine, servicing a printer. That's all you see. Yeah, no, you I don't mean, see the big picture. What is yeah. being printed on the printer? Yeah, it was me uh, working within my limitation. And that's all I knew. But service in the tune, a big and, yeah. And and what there's was, a sensitivity that goes with that that maybe somebody with a lot of uh, I don't know prodigy or something miss. Yeah, yeah. Because my this slowly developed as because first Ian and I were writing together, 
those first two EPs were, were us going, me trying to write a second part to his thing, or him, or him writing a, the bulk of a song, or him writing a second part to something I wrote. So our, that starts out with, you know, our writing is like that, and then, and then Guy comes into it, and basically, when, and, and Brendan is there, and Brendan can play everything. Him and his brothers yeah, play everything. His, all his brothers play all. He can lift up his shirt and move his stomach around. That's right, man. <laughs> can do that. Talk about that control shit. can do, do that. So, <laughs> and Sorry. the guy, I got to tell you about kick drum. You know, Georgie had talked to him about kick drum, because the closest note on in a band to me is the kick drum. <laughs> he goes, look, man, kick drum's just something I'm throwing in there in between. That Brendan is so independent. He can put it anywhere he wants. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Was... Still, I've played with a lot of drummers since, and I love Georgie. Don't get me mm -hmm. wrong. Yeah. But I was kind of interested in this. Yeah, and and they, they can be so, that's the thing. A drummer can be so different, one from another. It can is, because it's such a physical thing. So you different. You throw your whole body. You don't just throw parts. It's the balancing on the tailbone. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, I mean, Brent, playing with Brennan was just such a weird thing, and what an education. Because that's probably where I learned, you know, that's where this, this old friend I was saying can, you know, kiss my ass. Because if I learned anything about playing bass, I'm sure it was through playing drum, you know, Brendan playing drums with me. Because I could always keep a beat on the drums, you know, but, I, but, but, but playing with him as a drummer, you know, the drummer, my God. Um, you know, often he complicated things that I just thought were so simple, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I would lay down something, probably. but I realized it was because of A, Ian and I writing this way, I was always kind of like, I, I can just keep doing this. You know, my thing was, it was like Fela Kuti, which I realized later, you know, it was just like, I'm just going to do this one riff mm -hmm. for as long as we can do this. Mm -hmm. That's the song, you know. But for Brendan, it was like a springboard, probably. That's know. what allowed him to do whatever he wanted to. And so, you know, and, and, and after a while, I realized that's what it was. It was like, I'm the drummer. That, and so I, I realized like that was going to be my role that I'm going to I'm going to hold it down I'm going to hold this whole thing down and everyone's free to yeah. go because like that's where I wanted to be anyway but man when Brendan would take me up on that I would have the hardest time with three notes you know just going like you know boom 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 by the time Brendan got free on that you know I was like where's, where's the, where the are one we? yeah like where's I was like one? shit where are I being the concentrating hard as hell but I but for all that you know we didn't use uh, Fugazi never used a set list so for me going on stage was just going on with a blank 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 mind but Ian would just yell out yeah because it went you know Ian Gee Ian Gee to sing a song so they, they'd kind of either signal with a note what song was coming or someone would so yell something it'd be a cue okay. or you started to pick it up you know, telekinetically, you just kind of go like, "This song might follow that song," and then and you just—it just happened, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it was hard to go on stage. With, you know, I'd spend the before we went on stage, clean little pieces of paper away. Just anything that would distract my mind, you know, my eye over and over, would bother me. So I, I just have to go up, like you know. So I, st I realized after the band that it was a very meditative experience, and music is, I think, for all of us who go see shows. It's when we don't have to be individuals anymore, that we ha are in collective thought. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's there to get, you know, it's the like, most primal thing we can do yeah, together, yeah, and that's yeah. why we're all addicted to it, yeah, and we yeah, have to yeah, keep yeah. going back. But when everyone brings their attention, it is a thousand times better, because you're all meditating together, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
It's trying to make an interesting conversation. Nothing too heavy on it. You gotta have their place. Yeah, yeah.
is packed and inspected. He's educated and processed. He's hygienic and sterile. And he watches of the ancient story and the knowledge of former days are burned in public celebration. And nothing man screws, but he does not love. And picks up tail in his Vauxhall Vivo and wishes he were the SS man with his whip on the cover of the magazine. Part two. The nothing man points and laughs and stares and sniggers and breathes more and more and more. Two, three, four 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 and more. The nothing man, the nothing man, the nothing man. He is the nothing man who lives on you and me. Dead. I'll never be no goddamn saint 
careful the picture that you paint Players and angels, boys, I ain't What happened to my electricity? What happened to my body's chemistry? What happened to my soul and all my thoughts and all my goals and all my friends and all my foes and all I see? heard uh, I'm Dead by the Glimmermen, something brand new out of Ireland uh, via Transduction Records. Respect to you Brother Nez over there in Hokkaido. Uh, very sad to say we lost two brothers this last week. Uh, we heard Nothing Man by the Deviants, that's Mick Farron. Died on stage. Maybe the way I want to go out. Before that was uh, T-Model Ford with Porch Step. Uh, a lot of gigs from that man too both brothers for the music world took some blows but uh, in their spirit I'm going to just try harder we're at the end of the first hour of the July 31st 2013 edition of the Watt from Pedro show hold tight for more Joe Lally from actually it was like four weeks ago <laughs> hour two July 31st, 2013, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with the extract doing ill standard. Then we heard something new from Blue Willa, Birds, name of the tune, produced by Carla Bozilich. She's from Pedro. I think she did that in Italy with them guys. Uh, Una Passante with Wonderful Robots after that. And finally, Black Lanterns, ch- Chest Burster. Got to play with Black Lanterns up uh, Hebron Bridge back in March. Respect. Here's more Joe Lally in Roma, July 2, 2013, second part of our interview. Yeah, I try and keep my, you know, I'm learning logic. I still don't know it. I'm trying to keep it. Thank you so much. I'm trying to keep it simple. Yeah. My setup, you know. I don't yeah. want it to do anything but, like, record. Act like a recording machine. Yeah. yeah. There's one thing you might get into because it's got this analog or allegory of graphic. So when it comes to editing, it's stuff you could have never done with tape. Hmm. Oh, here's you can see where the guy's voice starts. Maybe I want that beat to be oh, that, that's so not awesome. in the way. Um, yeah. yeah, I can do major cuts. See, things like that. You couldn't oh, really own. do that in the tape day so easy. Hell no. And this thing makes that easy. So that's <clears throat> totally. I think that's kind of cool because that's kind of film, film rock in a way, like editing a movie. Yeah. And you can do that easy with the electronic that you couldn't do. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. That, that but all the other stuff with uh, synthesizers and virtual instruments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like to use it more than recording. But this editing thing, that's an incredible power. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all the touring of Fugazi. It yeah. was Brendan who got tired of it, right? Yeah. Um, you know, making, do, recording, that we were just talking about, Brendan, um, you know, we were kind of pushing him in front of Steady Diet or nothing to just go, you know, because it started with the drums. So it was like, get your drums together. And it was like, okay, now I'm bringing the guitar, you know. People were trying to like get someone to do it and not use this guy Ted nicely, who had produced earlier records. The band was capable of doing it because they'd produced other people's records at yeah. that point. But no one wanted to be. It, it just seemed to be. It was like too many cooks in a way. Okay. So it was kind of like okay. But then I could see we, that we were going back to Ted. We went and hung out with Albini, and we just went with a couple of songs. We hadn't finished writing the record. But we were having such a good time with him, we recorded a whole record with him. In like three days, you know. And so it was really fast, and it was in the basement of his house. It wasn't, we didn't go to some studio with him. We just okay. went to see how it would feel. And then when we got home, we just had this different feeling about it. And then we were like, and you know, plus we knew all the songs that weren't done. So we were like, now what? Because part of it could be used, and part of it couldn't. We just thought it was wrong to take part of that and mix it with something else. And So we thought that most respectful thing to do was just put it aside. So we ended up re-recording that record and we brought Ted Nicely back. But by that point, I was pretty convinced that these guys could do it. Because I was still like outside, I was still like, man, you know, can I go do something else? <laughs> I just couldn't hear it. And like I said, yeah. my, my ears were, they were getting more <laughs> fucked up from playing the live shows. But they were already pretty bad from seeing The Obsessed for years before I was in the band. Because I would just stand there, you know, in front of the really loud music, yeah. So by the time, you know, it got painful. And um, so, you know, going to, let's see, what, what am I saying? So so it was uh, in On the Kill Taker that we had done, that was the last record with Ted, and by the time we were doing the next one, I was like, you know, you know, I won't do it if we ask someone else. 
<laughs> which was the only, you know, only a card I could play as a to have a voice because otherwise I was always very like just watching how things were valid, sure. you know, what sure. people were deciding. But that was one thing I thought they needed to know that they could do it because I wasn't going to contribute to it. But I was like, I won't do the record with anyone else, you know, that you guys can produce it. And so they're like, oh, okay. So then uh, that was it, and then they really started getting into it. And then later, the thing I, I, I really couldn't convince them of was we had a reel-to-reel 8-track, and then we did a bunch of demos that came out as the instrument soundtrack. Yeah. Man, those I thought those were great, and I thought we could do our record like that, but no one would really agree on that with me. Okay. But I look back at the... I love those instrument tapes because that, we spent the less, least amount of time with them. So when you listen back, it's always like yeah, right, fresh, yeah. you know? It's like, the other ones were like, oh my God, I heard that so much. You start thinking of the sure, various sure. ways they could have been done. But anyhow. Uh, yeah, so then the band, the band, uh, Brendan is like on his way to having four kids. I don't know what kid he was on at the time that we stopped, but it was clear he needed to be with his kids. <laughs> you either do a band or you, I yeah. don't know, you raise a family. And I, or it's I, like the Navy. I could, yeah, man. I, I couldn't argue with that, so I, was, I understood that. But agreeing to it, <laughs> and then living it, were two different things. And when I went out to live it, it hurt pretty badly, and I realized that I was pretty damaged, you know. And I had to figure something out because I didn't know how to finish writing a song on my own. I just had never done it with anyone. I'd never done any much of anything outside of the band for all those years, like sixteen years. I hadn't done anything else. When so, you wrote, you wrote with Ian. Yeah, it was, I was part of a unit yeah. of writers, you know, and I never understood how to finish anything on my own. Right? Or, you know, is it done? I wouldn't yeah, know, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, yeah. so I had all these questions that needed answering, and then we moved out to L.A. because I just needed to be out of D.C. It was kind of making me insane to be there and not be not working be with a band. band. Yeah. yeah, and just not working. And so I, I had to, like, what I was finding is I had to figure out why I had to keep doing this. Why must I do this? I don't really know how. Yeah. yeah. And I could feel it, like I had to keep doing it. And, yeah. But the I bug just, bit you. I kept learning that I didn't know some things that I... I didn't have all the tools. I kept finding points that I needed a new tool that I didn't have, didn't possess. Yeah. So I, I was like, I got to learn to sing some... You know, I got to learn how to use my voice in order to get through this next point because here I am trying to write stuff and I know I can't bring out my singing while I'm playing you know and that's something that is still improving to this day that did not come naturally and I had to work really hard to do that and um, and that that was one thing but even I don't know if I did that first or last first I, I think I went to, to Flea's school yeah because we were in LA and Tree ended up being the dean of the school yeah. Ended up being someone who was going to teach me because I was like I I just explained to him what I was missing. I was like I've been playing for fifteen years in a band, writing songs, but like I don't understand what I'm doing, and I need to learn something about piano. I think. Yeah. So he showed me how to play like three basic things on piano. It was like. It was like something in. Uh, uh, B flat seven. Some something major, something minor. White keys. And then you brought in some black keys. Yeah, it was, it was like these three songs. One was um, I Feel Good, which he said was also around midnight, <laughs> which still, you know, kind of boggles my mind. And uh, so for a moment, I could kind of play those songs on the piano, but I didn't learn how to play piano from him. Mostly I just... tunes. Mostly I learned, I listened to him talk. Yeah. 
and watched him play. Yeah. And then learned how to sort of play these songs almost. <laughs> right, right, right. And then right. the major song was Here, There, and Everywhere, yeah. like which is McCartney going, right. like, look, here, there, on the piano. It's yeah. like, you and you're insane. McCartney's insane. And and uh then the other thing was you got to change your evil ways, oh, baby. Yeah. That was the um, minor song. I don't know, man. I learned something from. I don't even understand what I learned from him, but I I got what I needed. Because after a while, he just like stopped answering my. You know, can we get together this week? And he just I couldn't. Then we moved, and that was it. No, but did, didn't you do some collab? Well, somehow, yeah, that happened with John while I was yeah. there because John now I was living in L.A. I was talk. I talked to John Prashanti. He was a big Fugazi fan. That's how I met him. I didn't see him play in the Chili Peppers or understand that all of that had happened with him and the Chili Peppers because I didn't. I went to see Ch the Chili Peppers play because Flea was a fan and and was you know knew Ian because he was a fan of Meyer Threat, etc. Before Fugazi ever formed, they knew each other. But for me, the Chili Peppers music was like I would just put on. Funkadelic, you know what I mean? I just never followed them, and so with my background, it was just I just went straight to the black music. I just didn't sure, get sure. sidetracked with that. It was just weird, my own thing about it. But then I saw them play live, you know, this and that time, you know, with Ian like Fleet going, "Come on, see it," you know, I go and it's shit, you know, they can, you know, Flea really. There were some out, bands you know? back then, uh, AWB, Average White Band, Wild, Wild Cherry. Mm -hmm. I was listening to them on the radio, yeah. Yeah, because they would play oh, yeah. those guys a little bit. Oh, totally, yeah. It's gonna be a huge production You won't see the like again The ultimate thrill In a world where everything looks the same It's all going great, shouldn't be that way Go, get it now 
Living in the train yard Surrounded by those lonesome whistles Hear them calling morning, noon and night But I don't need to answer The sirens have no hold on me I'm as free as any man can be And you'll take me by surprise Set me free with your dark eyes Take me away every time Martyr's graveyard, flowers for the fallen. We sing and whisper to the unforgotten. But no prison guard, no hangman's news take me far away from you. Light the fire deep inside of me. You melt these chains like ice Set me free with your dark eyes Save me every time Staring straight ahead into the horizon We're marching towards But I won't look back down At the cold merciless ground I know I am never gonna fall Catch my soul surprised Set me free with your dark eyes Break my fall every time from Pedro uh, something brand new from TV Smith uh, well brand new to me I got to see him in gay advert at uh, Stooges gig there in London uh, Hank put uh, Hank Rollins put t- adverts as one of his top 20 punk bands I just saw a list respect to you Hank 
Dwap No Ben by the Green Sea after that. Bad Route from Demon Queen. Brand new. That's uh, Mr. Tom from uh, Black Moth Super Rainbow. Uh, In a new collaboration. I think he's also... uh, Well, that just might be a rumor. Uh, Finally, Devin Hoff uh, with uh, Arase. Um, Yeah, incredible bass band. uh, Singing and playing guitar. Respect to him. He's got a new new album he just did where he played bass guitar. Uh, We all know him, of course. Devin Hoff is an incredible stand-up player. Many years with the Nels Klein Trio. Or Nels Klein Singers, not the trio. Sorry. I think that was a cat named Bob on the bass in those days. Uh, back to Joe Lally and his uh, incredible journey through music. So I, I, so I knew. So then later, John had got back into the band, yeah. and we were on tour in California. And he showed up at like five shows. He just, he just like went to you know San Francisco, like at San Diego, then San Francisco, L.A., Las Vegas. And he just knew. I mean, he barely talked to us, but then when he did talk to you, he'd go like, you know, he came to me and was like, you know. You really like, you know, P- Peter Hook, don't you? You know, like you're really into the, you know. I mean, he just nailed me, you know, like. Yeah. You know, but he's <laughs> deep with music. It's trippy. Hell yeah. Yeah, he can. His yeah, ear. he freaked me out. Yeah, freaked the shit out of me, you know. And so I really, so I t- ended up talking to him about music, you know. After that, and I, I sent him. I was, you know, you still made cassettes then, and I made cassettes of the Ethiopian music because the X had turned us on to the Ethiopics compilations. Dutch band. And um. So I, there was 70s music from Ethiopia, and, and it was crazy. Music, like... Chorale. Middle Eastern, African, and like this soul and funk. Chorale, this and, weird kind of stream. Right, There's yeah. a bass one, too. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, yeah so that's, that's great music, and it's got this... Like, he came on the show, he's talking about they dance with the shoulders. Wow. Go to the club, Very interesting. shoulder. Yeah. I'd like to go. Yeah, man. Damn. So that's all of music. I mean, it's all it's all black music to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So dance and music. He did. He started doing so solo albums. Excuse me. So John did um, was doing this series of solo albums, and he was doing one every month. Him and Josh at this, that's what it was. At this point, we're doing one every month. That's right. And so they would write a set of material. Some of it was electronic, and some of it was was different. But they were doing these sets. And I had seen something. And then they had this song they were writing, and they thought I'd be good to play bass on it. And then I went with uh, my family back to visit um, my wife's family in Italy and came back, and they were like, we wanted you to come in and record on this song in the studio, but we did it while you were away. So why don't you come play this... this we have the show booked. Why don't you come play our solo stuff because we've never done it live. So this is after the first couple of solo records that came yeah. out. And so I was supposed to learn like nine songs, and I never did that before. I never. Somebody's songs I never tried to learn yeah. a show. Yeah. So it was really weird. And then I lived in a one-bedroom apartment with you know my three-year-old daughter. And I couldn't really. F- I so I tried to do that. And then I went to practice with them at you know John's house. And then they were very kind about it. But we'd play something, and then they'd go like, you know, that that's not really there. That like you should play that. You know. <laughs> I was like, I tried. You know. And then. Um, um, what happened was the end of the practice, I didn't know John had recorded the jamming at the first 10 minutes of the practice. He had this little thing near him and he had taped it. But, you know, as always, like when Brendan used to like 
start to play the drums as I turned on and understood what my bass sounded like. Brandon would be playing a beat, and that's when I wrote, always felt I wrote the best yeah. thing, when you yeah, weren't yeah. thinking, yeah. and you got a beat. Sure. So I did that with Josh, and that turned out to be Dust. That was the first song in the first Ataxia record. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, John, uh, John just turned on the recorder and me not knowing it, because I would have never remembered even what I played at, at that. But at the end of the practice, he was like, you know, there's no keyboardist to play these songs, you know, that you had chosen. And I said, you know, you could have found someone to play these better, faster than me. So it's very kind of you to, <laughs> to put yeah. it that way. <laughs> but John was like, I feel stupid playing my music. Like, that's what the Chili Peppers are doing, writing music, going out and playing it. He's like, I want to play, you know, music that we wrote. And I was like, well, that, you know, that, that's what I meant. It was very kind of him to put it yeah, that way yeah, because yeah. I was just like, I know I'm not doing this <laughs> the way you want it done. Right, like a sesh. But it's true, there was, the keyboard wasn't an integral part of those songs, and there, and there was the three of us, and no one was going to also suddenly come in on the keyboard while they played, so whatever. So, so then we started to get together, and in like 12 days, you know, we, we practiced like five times or something, and each time a couple of songs would be written, and over the t before the next practice, John would have put lyrics to it, and then it just went boom, 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 and then before the show was booked, which turned into two shows, he said, do you mind if we go in the studio? And I was like, okay. You know, I mean, that kind of thing to me in the past, I can only relate it to doing a show where you played a couple of songs with somebody at a show. Yeah. And no one paid any attention to it. But, you know, here's a guy who... It's going to be the whole gig. Yeah. And and then here's a guy who can bring you into, like, Sunset Sound to record it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, right. And then it's a record forever. So I've always been kind of like, oh, my God, from that stuff. Oh, wait. <laughs> Because it's just me doing pill and joy division. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah. Like, right. It's kind of silly in a way, but but they anyway they loved the assignment of I was like I can do that with you because I was worried about remembering the songs live. Sure. Suddenly we're gonna write the ten parts. songs and yeah. play them live. So we you know we ended up recording everything we had wrote and that became the two albums yeah. and um, and then we played the two sets and I and I didn't remember some song you know I'd have to go <laughs> John. And um, but it it was just trying to keep it simple. And the assignment for them to to make it a record in their series was I was going to play a bass line, and they'd have to write verse chorus around it. Ah, okay. That's it. They're literally one riff. Wow. So my my new publishing name was One Part Songs. <laughs> like real cool time. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it was a great assignment, and it was a great um, encouragement encouragement to to my my weird vision of music that I should find it through that, even yeah, if yeah. it's just me doing one bass line and then singing to it. Because yeah. even by then, I had already compiled enough of my own material to play it with Ian before I moved to L.A. Yeah. I got him to like just record me in his basement, and yeah, we pulled yeah. like a drummer who was working at Discord across the street to just sit down and play something with me or to keep a beat. And then yeah. one way or another, we got down all my ideas. So I yeah. left with like these eight or ten ideas. Right. And they'd all be based on a bass line. I'd put a bass line aside and go, okay, that's a song. And then, you know, write lyrics to it and then figure out how to sing with it. And then blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I slowly develop my way of writing music. Yeah. So you leave SoCal, right? Yeah, so then we lived in Oregon for, you know, like seven months because we're about, you know, my wife was like, should we buy a house here? And I was like, what you should be thinking is, should we buy a house here? Because I would have done it because I'm going to stay all through my, you know, our child going to school. 
or should we be moving to Italy? Because I knew <laughs> that she was... The reason we left D.C. is because we needed neutral ground in America. Yeah. Like, I wasn't from there. She wasn't from there. So we were testing that out, but I knew that there was something that, you know, she needed to be back here. And there, you know, there are reasons that she's not so happy that we came back here because of the disorganization of everything. But uh, she's like, you know... It, it was a good thing, you know. It was a good thing we came back, and then her mother needed us to be here, and yeah, so right. you know, her mother moved in with us. And I thought she'd never move in with, basically, a bum musician, because you know, here it's like musician job. No respect. That's not a yeah, thing that you do. Which is funny because if you look at, uh, like classical music, all the annotation, everything is Italian words. <laughs> and it, that, that's Opera's the thing. an incredible tradition started here. That's it. And if you learn music here, it is so serious. That it's really, I think, the guys I play with in Sanyo, they you know, went to school. Yeah. Most people get, if they get through that, yeah. to then look at it in their own perspective, yeah. they're pretty damn good. Yeah. You know? Because otherwise you get kind of bounced off of it by going, you know, fuck you. This, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Like, you know, it must be so rigid. Yeah. So rigid. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
The dirt, the scarcity, and the emptiness of our
finish in the second hour, Slender Loris with John 5 has too many telecasters. Uh, Stella Peach, something brand new from uh, Nicholas's studio. Ships in the Night. After that, uh, Ida with a live version of uh, Corona, D. Boone's song. Incredible. Thank you, Tally, for flowing that. A postal holiday with the world's premier supplier. <laughs> That's a great name of song. A Stop. Uh, something new from Art Trip and the Static Sound. And finally, LSD isn't what it used to be by Toasted Keratic. Uh, that's it for the second hour of July 31st, 2013 edition of What, what for Pedro Show. Hold tight for hour three. July 31st, 2013. It's the third hour of the What from Pedro Show. <laughs>
Start off the third hour with These Are Eyes, see? Number three. Excerpt. David Dove and Jawad Taylor. Uh, David Dove is instrumental in getting me to once again have the opportunity to be on stage with the representative of Corwood Industries. Yeah, it was a couple months ago in Houston. Respect to him. Uh, King of the Opera after that with the half-duck misery. <laughs> misery. Misery. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Finally, Ott uh, with son Dustin. Yeah, brother Chris on the bass there out of Austin. Look, um, we got more of the Joe Lally interview. Huh? July 2nd, 2013 in Rome. This is part two. It's the, well, it's the fifth part of the part two. <laughs> yeah, my daughter, I watched her play, um, take piano lessons before she's just started middle school. And now it's like a formal thing in middle school where they're, you know, you, it's about you reading and you being technical. Yeah. And her teacher just had no relationship with her. So she was just like, because my daughter doesn't like talk back very much. Like she doesn't communicate that easily. So... The teacher, I think, was just kind of like, what's up with you? But then she played her first um, recital at the end of the year. And then my, my wife was saying that she was watching the teacher when, when Lydia was done. Because she had to play with the flute player, and then she played on her own. And the flute player, like, had a problem, but Lydia was just... Lydia sat down and was just like, like, whatever. And she's on her own time when she goes to play. I saw a recital a few years ago, and I could see that she was like... The other people get up and go like, you know, ah, like they play like, ah. and Lydia was just, she played this like thing, first song she really liked, it was kind of bluesy, and she, and she just like, I could just feel that it was her time, and it scared the shit out of me, like wow. I, I could feel it, I was like, she knows music, yeah. and so I, you know, but I've always tried to stay out of it, and I'm like, not making her become a jazz drummer, <laughs> because like, that's what I want her to do, you know. I'm like, if I'm going to like have it my way. So I just was like, I know it's insane. So I just step back. But I can, I'm already watching her get kind of discouraged because the teacher is just like, I don't think has been very cool to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because her teacher before that was in a place where you can learn, you know, dance or this or that. And she took piano there. And the teacher really, they just had a way of communicating. And the teacher like, wants to see her but Lydia's so shy I'm having a hard time trying to get her to go back there but this woman Sylvia she was just like you know she just really understood her and 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 Lydia enjoyed it and now she's kind of like huh so it's it's a weird thing and I hope she manages to retain it so I think I'm going to try and bring someone else in maybe even a friend who can teach her like you know imagine or whatever you know just things that she likes to play you know yeah what about playing with people here that had to change, you know. You couldn't really play overseas. People. Yeah, it was well, you know, writing. My you don't music, really send right music through the internet and collaborate that way, do you? I haven't. I really tried and thought so I you would. Played with cats here. Yeah, I try because I, I only started to do that now. Mm-hmm. Now that I can, it's like I'm still not doing it because yes. it's so hard to do. It's like I, I tr- it turns out that I don't care. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> and I wanted so much to do it because I've met. I, I met. I uh, didn't meet her in person, but I found Virginia Genta. Do you know her? Yeah, because you know people in Italy like don't know who she is, but Americans do. Wow. And I knew yeah. I knew you'd know who she was, and uh, and I want to send her music, but I'm still afraid because she's like killer. You know, yeah. I found this video of her and I was just like <laughs> blew my mind. You know, because she's like 
innocent looking, undercover looking, normal <laughs> little girl, and then she right. goes, <laughs> blows, right, right. blows your brains out. But um, but anyway, uh, I I really was constructing my music knowing that I was moving around even from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was trying to make it stay within a framework that anyone could walk in and understand immediately. Yeah. So in in the, in the way I was in a jazz sense, you know, even though I don't have any of the <laughs> right to use any of these words, but no, but that's that's, that's, that's aesthetic. That's the, the, the jam session, and that's why they did a lot of standards and stuff because they didn't have time to practice with each other, and so they'd come exactly. after the gigs and just start wailing over. So that was the point to try and be able to bring people in yeah, and, and just go. Yeah. So I tried, but uh, it and and so it worked for somebody like you know for God's sakes for Massimo Pupillo from yeah. Zoo. He he encouraged me when I was here visiting. Uh, before I had really um, done anything yet, and he was like, I was just getting the songs together. He got a drummer, and, and we went and did you know three shows. And then, um, then later after I had moved here, when I first I think I had just moved here, like Zoo took me on tour in Europe with mm-hmm. them, and they you know they backed me up, and they didn't. I mean, I think they were kind of going through their own thing because they were doing a couple of years of the same set of music at that yeah. point. And they were bringing different people into it, I think, to yeah. make it interesting. Because, you know, they just didn't know how to stop and write. <laughs> and I kept telling them, like, God, just make the next album. Just take some time off and chill and make a record. Because people, you should do something that everyone knows. Because yeah. you guys are too fucking good yeah. to be doing it this way. But anyway, I did, um, you know, that tour with them. And, that you know, those kinds of things were super encouraging and then I then I started to put together, and he introduced me to Capillary Action. Okay. And so that's how I knew. And then Ohio ended, cats. Yeah, and Oberlin. And, right. They study in Oberlin, except for the guy who wrote all the music. Yeah, which is a trip. <laughs> so you know, me and John, found that out. It was like such a trip. Yeah. So John, like John, writing all the music, and like the masters are like executing it. You yeah, know, the Nicklein Smith. Yeah. <laughs> because of course they needed to, because he was he was writing. You know what? You know, I found classical people, motherfuckers, right? Yeah. But you don't put sheet music in front of them, they can't play. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And then, you know, you get Blind Boy Lemon, you know, <laughs> and you write yeah, your man. buttload of songs. That's it. That's never taught them a lick. That's the Isn't difference. Isn't that a trip? It's the, the human experiences. Like, totally. It's like, you know, formally trained and just... Nurture nature, all these yeah. kind of weird uh, perspectives on the dealio. Totally, it gets realized in in the doing, in the expression, and there's a lot of different ways. But anyway, so you, I, that's I ended how up you, with Ricardo Lagomasino yeah. as like someone I've done eight tours with. Yeah, I think you know, and that was because Zoo was supposed to come tour, and then I think maybe not accidentally, Massimo said, "Why don't you bring Joe Lally into this, and we'll back him up on this tour." Then he bowed out of the tour. Then a week, two weeks before, it was like, We're, we can't come. <laughs> Which, you know, freaked John out yeah. to death. And then, and then uh, I kind of was like, should we do this tour? Do you guys want to back me up? And then I was like, what do you sound like? Like, yeah, I didn't know anything, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just fucking didn't know. And then I looked on the internet at them playing, uh, or just listening to them, and I was like, they can play anything. You yeah. know, they were like... So it wasn't a problem. It was really funny because then suddenly I went from not really having a band at all to, you know, play, I'd play with one other person before I played with them. I had gotten in the van with 
antelope and so the drummer would play with me and it was just bass and drums and vocal and it was yeah. actually i think a little bit painful maybe to look at you know it was too raw and then and then i got uh in the van with the melvins yeah and just the two drummers on yeah. this stage of equipment played with me you know i'd be playing the bass of these little songs and there'd be these guys behind yeah, like cities of drums <laughs> where i was like you know are we together <laughs> so weird and then uh and then i'm doing this tour and i have a a drummer, a keyboard player, a guitar player, and a trombonist. And and everyone would play. Yeah. So we just started out like we had a day to practice and then we left. <laughs> and so we just started out the first shows of the tour. Everyone just played, like kind of all the time. And, and it kind of worked because they understood like what to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then after a while, I was like, you know, it's just, this is too much. <laughs> so I was like, okay, randomly I kind of went like, you three play on this song, and then you two play on this song, and then you three play on this, and like everyone will do this. I literally just divided it up because they could do that and yeah. make it interesting. Yeah, and it, yeah. that was wonderful because yeah. it was like Bing Zappa. All of a sudden, you could, you were the <laughs> yeah, band the leader. Meister. <laughs> it was wild. But after, you know, after that, the whole thing was about writing to people who were suddenly coming on. So my, you know, my music's a little weird for that. The songs yeah. are short and they're simple and they're sure, sure, sure. It was and and after playing with the same band for a while and after doing the last record, mm -hmm. where the drummer played more straightforward because Ricardo was very busy and sent and played on my last record, and I I didn't realize how much I had to keep all the internal time as the bass player and singer. Yeah, it wasn't until I um played with Fabio here in in Rome and then went out and did stuff, made the record with Lele, that last record. But then Lele was off to do other things and, and I found Fabio and uh, he's a much more straightforward drummer it wasn't until playing with him and then going back um, to do an American tour with Ricardo that I realized how hard it was and how hard it had been as I played with these people who weren't just keeping time they were on their own time and you know fr more free sure, sure. and I was out touring with him and this cello player and I was just like you know, Mr. God, Rizzard. this is fucking hard. Like, I had to get used to it again, you know. So I the, I had been playing in a way that was just, it was getting easier and easier playing with a straight drummer, you know.
your chest You use your power and you shatter bone Now you're all in a mess Skinny lady, let me walk you home I cannot see you if you turn sideways You like to pull at your head Catch up on the sofa, dreaming of all over Happy birthday, would you like some cake, my dear? Or would you like to go and run into the toilet And make yourself vomit? Cause it's all in the chest Pretty baby, let me walk you home Now you're all in a mess You use your power and you shatter bone Now you're all in a mess Skinny lady, let me walk you home Cause it's all in your breast You use your power and you shatter bone Shatter bone Don't try to stop the 
show uh, My Life in the Funeral Service by the Fembots After that The Dream Chamber Phase 3 Entering Delta by David Gerard I got some bass I owe him uh, Anoraxix by Ryan is Fun followed that and finally We Can Do Whatever We Want Drink As Much As We Want from free beer. <laughs> and <laughs> I went better tuned to uh, preface the last installment of uh, Joe Lally interview. What's the future? Your guess is as good as mine. I kind of ran out of money to, to, to keep trying to run a band on my own. Yeah, like yeah. to pay people and then go, and you lose money, you make money. And um, I don't know, people, I, I, in the end, I just, I definitely wasn't happy, and I think I was bumming out people I was playing with. So I, I knew I just had to stop, and so it just stopped. And then I had, I, I don't know, I'm, there's people who are trying to, you know, it's nice enough that some of the people I played, with a couple of people who asked me to, you know, you should be playing, you should be yeah, making yeah. another record, you know, that kind well, of it's thing. it's a couple so, years since this last record you said. Right? Yeah, because it was a couple, it took a while to get the record made. I yeah. had most of the music done. As a matter of fact, I could have played guitar on most of the record at that point, but I was encouraging Elisa because she had not played guitar. Sure. So there were songs I could have done, but I, I waited, did I other like, parts of the record until I, like I got did, it. Man. I thought she was great, so I was wow. like, do this, you know, and there was a song I made her, Philosophy for Insects, I was yeah. like, play over this bass line. Then I told the um, engineer, who doesn't speak English very well, because we recorded here in Rome, to take these different sections that I liked. And then I was like, this part's going to be the middle. This part's going to be the end. That's going to be the beginning. And then he understood exactly what I meant, and he knew exactly how... He just was great at that. So we didn't have to talk about it. And he would just find the drum beat and goes like, like this, you mean? And and he set the song back up for me, just where I wanted her guitar, and then I sang over it, and I brought in like a a guitar riff, and then the guitar riff becomes the bass riff behind it. So I, you know, I could do stuff like that because I could just envision the whole record. Yeah. And then there was a song that I didn't have time to practice with the drummer and a bass player. It's called Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Yeah. And that's where Billy Cox met Jimi Hendrix. You know, because they're army buddies. Yeah, in in the the army. So. Um, it's about playing with people, yeah. And it's just your relationship with people. And I just think about them and how he called him up to be the bass player, because he couldn't come when he first asked. Yeah, him. yeah. And then Hendrix, you know, becomes popular, and then he's kind of like, I got to do this record, and you know, now the whatever they had to do, Band of Gypsies, so he brought him in. So anyway, <clears throat> so I he lay out that. When buddy left. Yeah, so I so I'm trying to lay but it down. It seems like you really liked doing this. It was fun for you. What's that? Making this record. Oh, yeah. So maybe you want to make another one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it never stops. I mean, yeah. the album is a piece of art that yeah. I always want to make. Yeah, Because yeah. it's such a challenge, side sure, A, sure. side B. Yeah. That it's always like that. It's always an album, you know, and it's always the end of side A, the beginning and the end of each side, you know, about constructing, how to keep people interested. Yeah. 
yeah. over this period of time, and the period shouldn't be very long. It's forty minutes, yeah, 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 and all that stuff is a, it's a piece of particular piece of art to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've got to make another one someday. But but anyway, at this point, you know, doing doing that record and and like doing a song like Fort Campbell, we didn't have a lot of time, and the and the, a lot, I didn't realize how much of that like the timing of the song, and there's some weird stuff in it. Because I just made a tape of it, I asked people to learn that they just like wouldn't listen to enough, you know, to like go there with me. So we'd play the song, and then they just wouldn't really get it. And then we go to play it in the studio, and I only had two days with the drummer, so he just laid down a version of it, and I was like, "Let's move on." Yeah. So we got through the rest, and we couldn't go back to it. Yeah. And then I realized like the drums aren't very good. But meanwhile, each day we'd come back to the song, and I'd go like. Well, let me just lay down the guitar on top, because now I've got the bass, the drums, let's lay down the guitar. Then I'd go back to it and listen and go like, okay, well, let's just do hand claps with it. So he had come back to listen one day, and the three of us sat there and did hand claps. So then I do the vocal. Okay. Then most of the record is done, and I still think that the drums, he's a fantastic drummer, this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how do I have a song where he's hesitating while he plays drums on the song? Yeah. And it's just because he didn't really get the song yeah, yet. Yeah. So, I, my, you know, my wife Antonia comes in, and she's like, um, "What's going on?" And I'm like, "The song is like the only song. It's not. I can't believe I have to leave it off the album. Like it means as a song, it means so much to me. And it's like my new direction. I felt it as my new direction at the moment. And she's like, "Why don't you just do what you did with your other albums and just leave the drums off? Because I really did. The first record is like." The dr I recorded the bass first. Yeah, <laughs> like nobody true. does that. Like yeah. no one in their right mind. So I took off the drums and listened to it, and I realized that I had constructed the song despite the drums. And so there it was. So that's why there's no drums on it. Okay. And and then when you try to drum to it, you can't because it's you know it's off. But we we rebuilt it, so the whole thing's on the it's on the bass line, I guess, and the vi invisible drums. Well, I'm partial to that. Orientation. <laughs> you said something about advice. What advice would besides knowing the yeah knowing how to control your equipment? Work, right? <laughs> but would you have other advice? <clears throat> Just do it. Do it any way you can imagine it. You know, make the song any way you can Im imagine it. You are able to imagine but even the song bigger, in your like head. the music racket. What would you say to somebody getting involved? You know, I I don't know how to answer that question these days because I I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm not sure it helps that people know I was in Fugazi. Yeah. Often people are because people are trying to help, or people are just doing me a favor. Yeah. And I just find it so weird. Like I'm playing, I I just don't like a lot of what I'm doing, and it's partially the reason I stopped because I can't do what Ian's doing and go play in like libraries, you know. And in and here you can't even play in the afternoon. Are you you're talking about evens? Yeah. Yeah. They just, I mean, I, I, I could have done that when we, when I started to play on my own. I could have yeah. done everything, like, without having anyone book me and all that stuff. But I think I would have done it for a much shorter period and then stopped playing live because I just would have run out of money faster. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so I, you know, for, for people, I would just say do what you want. Like the, the Gallucci guys, who we've both played with at this point because they backed me up in Australia. <laughs> They they don't they don't never play clubs. I asked the band to back me up, and then they couldn't because they never play clubs. And I was like, oh, so I only got two of them. So they got around that rule, <laughs> and and they just bring the 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 generator. Yeah, play wherever you want, you know. So that's my advice. 
the music business is probably <laughs> going to try and fuck you anyway. So just yeah. go get a generator and play wherever you want. <laughs> because in this day and age, it's probably going to get you more. You're probably going to get farther. I don't know. Set up and play. I'm, I've always thought about setting up in the street and playing. I don't know, understand how or what with a bass, but I often think about... Oh, where did I see somebody in Oslo? It was a stand-up. Hmm. It was busking. Yeah, that's how I kind of imagined it. He was doing spoonful. I'm still playing, uh, still playing the Hoffner because part of that was because I can't, you know, because my ears are shot. Now this one's ringing way louder than the other one. It's Tonight. really disturbing. Oh, man. It's usually at least it's together. <laughs> you know, after 20 years of it ringing together, it's really starting to fuck with me that one of them is louder than the other. But, you know, part, part of playing the way I did when I started playing right yeah. music was just because I needed to quiet everything down to understand it. Yeah. Because with Fugazi, it was all about a sonic thing. And, I, you know, and I was already, ears were smoked already, you know. Yeah. For, so that's what was getting, you know, getting it quieter. And as I got to this third solo record, I was kind of bringing it back up again. And I would love to play loud. I would love to play the Hoffner through two SVTs. <laughs> but I don't think I'm going to get the chance. The equipment, yeah. No, that's my feedback a little. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Thanks so much, Joe, for being aboard the show. Thanks for listening Righteous. to me for two episodes. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> I think it's essential that people hear some bass player perspective, and especially your journey. I mean, the learning by doing, I think there's some advice there. And you didn't maybe have to put it into words, just show by example. Because I know so many people tell uh, tell me, you know that Joe Lally style. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I mean, I I take that as the biggest compliment on earth.
57 Chevy just hit a brick wall. Why does it hurt when I breathe? My ribs are cracked, maybe my skull. Why does it hurt when I breathe? I really can't feel my toes at all. Why does it hurt when I breathe? Just might be a spinal injury. Why does it hurt when I breathe? Well, maybe all the booze I drank is finally catching up with me. All those cuts I barely made for this one got the best to see. The office search said, boy, he's a lucky son of a gun. Every curve I take, I see how close to death I've We were 1.0, lucky to avoid the law. The officer was nice, he just let me go. He said, son, just be careful. Trip a little further on down the road. Pulled out a little reaper that I wanted to smoke. Turned coming up and I dropped my bowl. Looked down, looked up, and I'm out of control. something 
all your life I wonder what you've been looking for I wonder what you've been looking for You'll find that the future becomes the past Just like everybody else And you learn at last How to live with yourself You'll be leaving this world so soon What's the sense in wasting the time? What's the sense in wasting all this time? Last music for the show, following uh, Joe Lally Spiel there. Uh, Oslo motherfuckers with some I and Nuldrum. Mud leg boots after that with cognitive motherfuckers or Cogentiva Cogentiva (laughs) Ah, fucked C-O-G-E-N-T-I-V-A Motherfuckers Then Fruit with Today Only Sketch Bloodsuckers from Apple Shift 7 Hmm, what is that keyboard equivalent? 57 Chevy from Hunt Nanny after that And finally Capricorn Kid with Leaving So Soon Yeah I'm going to be having to leave so soon. Uh, get to the airport and fly off to uh, Brussels, Belgium. But I think we're playing Le Curse Saturday night. And there's a Berlin gig on Tuesday. And Thursday or Friday is Vienna in Austria. And then I should be home Saturday. Thanks again to Joe Lally. He's an incredible man. Love the Love the cat. Uh, it's been the July 31st, 2013 edition of the Watford Pedro Show. Everybody, keep your powder dry.